This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the New Books in East Asian Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Li Pingchen, one of the hosts of the channel. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Jialong Wu about his new book, Remapping the Contested Sinosphere, the Cross-Cultural Landscape and Ethnoscape of Taiwan. This book was published by Cambria in 2020. Jialong, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Liping, uh, for your invitation to discuss my second book. Uh, it's an honor for me to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, have this discussion with you. But uh, first of all, I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself and maybe also about your research interest as well. Uh, of course. Um, uh, my name is Jiarong Wu. Uh, I'm originally from Taiwan. I received my PhD degree in comparative literature from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in 2010, and later became a U.S. citizen in 2018. I'm currently a senior lecturer uh, in the Department of Global, Cultural, and Language Studies at the University of Canterbury in New Zealand. I relocated to this sheep farming country from the United States in 2019. Um, before my relocation, I served as an associate professor of Chinese studies at Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. My research interests are Taiwan, uh, Taiwan literature and film. Uh, it is why I always identify myself as a Taiwan-focused scholar. After I published my first book, uh, Supernatural Sinophone Taiwan and Beyond in 2016, I was planning to expand my research scope and study the narratives of abnormalities. The potential topics include uh, the literary and cinematic representation of the ghostly, uh, monstrous, mad, eccentric, sickened, and disabled subjects. You can say I have a very weird taste for artistic forms. It is probably the reason why I'm always fascinated by the narrative of the strange. However, I decided to switch the topic of my second monograph to the cross-cultural landscape and ethnoscape of literary Taiwan. 
Ethnicity is undoubtedly a critical discourse uh, in Taiwan studies. Given that Taiwan has long been a multi-ethnic island state, that includes groups uh, such as indigenous people, Yuan Chuming, uh, native people, Ben Shenzhen, uh, mainlanders, Wan Shenzhen, and other immigrant uh, settlers. Each ethnic group has specific cultural baggage and shared memories. The tricky thing is, each ethnic group can never work as a standalone, while it is impossible to bypass the interaction or conflict among these groups. The inter-ethnic struggle and compromise actually occupy an important place in my second book. To me, the Taiwanese history of pain revolves around the ethnic issue, as I mentioned earlier. Thanks to the scholar grant uh, awarded by the Jiang Jingguo Foundation, I was given um, a semester, uh, one semester uh, sabbatical to finish the draft of the book manuscript right before I came to New Zealand, uh, where I further polished the work and got it published in late 2020. I'm deeply grateful for the warm support from the Jiang Jingguo Foundation and the University of Canterbury. My special thanks also extend to Cambria Press, which is a great academic publisher to work with. To be honest, I'm quite happy with the switch of the topic because now I feel that I'm making a stronger connection with my fellow scholars on Taiwan studies. Thank you. Yeah, and then thank you for laying out um, your research um, um, journey, this different trajectory you take from your first book, and now moving on to the second book about the history and also the literary history of Taiwan as well. And then especially you mentioned that um, um, Taiwan and then also the literary production, as you lay out in your, especially in your second book, there are different layers of uh, legacies, different layers of influences and also connection as well. So I think maybe now we can move on to the uh, one of the layers that is the uh, Chinese uh, legacy and then connection and also maybe some confrontation with uh, China and the uh, Chinese legacy as well. So um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Taiwan's link or um, confrontation with uh, China in terms of history, culture, or political or linguistic uh, connections? Uh, well, thanks for your question, Li Ping. That's indeed a thought-provoking question to answer. Uh, as a scholar in Taiwan studies, I am always interested in the cross-strait politics and uh, its representation in Taiwan literature. Although I'm from a native Taiwanese family speaking Hokkien, I actually developed a Chinese fantasy uh, for multiple reasons when I was much younger. Uh, on the wooden tablet for my family's ancestral worship, uh, there is a name of the Chinese region I never visited in my whole life. Uh, like many other Taiwanese people of my age, I was born during the martial law period of Taiwan and received a formal education focusing on Chinese history and geography, while Taiwan, or mother country, was simply treated as an insignificant province in school textbooks. I'm also a big fan of Jin Yong's Chinese martial arts fiction, in which an imaginary, imaginary Chinese world is nicely portrayed. I carried this heavy Chinese cultural baggage to the United States, where I was eager to identify myself in a wonderland that uh, feels strange to me. 
I have to say, I started learning, if not relearning, Taiwanese history in the United States. Taiwan is well noted、uh, for its colonial history of 400 years. The previous ruling powers of Taiwan include Spain, the Netherlands, the late Ming Zheng regime,、um, Imperial Qing, Japan,、uh, and the Kuomintang from China. In post-war Taiwan,、uh, Kuomintang came to oppress the localist camp on the island. By reinforcing an emotional tie with mainland China, and further imposing、um, its influence on the islanders across ethnic groups, with the rise of the Democratic Progressive Party, which is now the ruling party of Taiwan, under the leadership of President Tsai Ing-wen, the so-called localist consciousness has long been clashing with the KMT-approved discourses of cultural China. And Chinese diasporas, under the DPP rule, Taiwan has developed a growing demand to cut political ties with Communist China, and to become a freestanding political and cultural entity. However,、um, Taiwan's pursuit of its unique cultural and political entity is severely challenged by the People's Republic of China, which represents the continuous. Uh, continuous pressure and、uh, threat to the island nation. With its military and economic powers,、um, it's simply impossible uh, to uh, ignore uh, 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 the threat across the Taiwan Strait. So, in this case,、um, in this case, Taiwan's contested Chinese legacy has become a notable issue. With the further discussion,、um, the unpleasant political reality faced by Taiwan does not limit the development of the locally focused Taiwan literature. Instead, it propels more and more Taiwanese writers to rethink or deconstruct the Chinese legacy, while exploring diverse aspe-、uh, aspects of the local community in literary creation, and the popularity of nativism. And the post-nativism Taiwan literature is the best case in point. Still, Chinese legacy is dying hard and continues to serve as a critical topic in both political and literary arenas of Taiwan. When I was writing the book,、uh, my main concern was to investigate the issue of how official history intertwines with with individual and ethnic memories of Taiwan. It is why each chapter of the book is linked with the old and new generations in various cultural contexts. In a profound way,、um, Chinese legacy and Taiwanese consciousness negate each other because they represent two separate political systems and two separate cultural beliefs.、Um, China becomes a cultural necessity. That、uh, confronts the Taiwanese subjectivity in the literary works I analyze. Ironically, the identity formulation of Taiwan cannot be completed、uh, cannot be completed、uh, without the evocation and then exorcism of Chinese ghosts from the past and present.、Uh, we can observe this evolving trend in the works by Li Ang and Shi Shuqing, and.、Um, By younger writers like Gan Yaoming and Yi Geyan,、uh, in the fourth chapter of the book, I bring into 
focus the connection between Taiwan science fiction and the social political changes of the island state. In my analysis, Taiwan science fiction takes on different issues of the island, including its marginalized position in the global network, uh, ethnic and ideological divides in the domestic community, and the environmental crisis in a broad sense. On this matter, a truly local vision of science, uh, science fiction can only be formed when the Chinese-flavored sci-fi narrative is diluted or completely left behind. My research approach here is to deconstruct the ideological center of dominance and focus on the discourse of post-nativism in order to closely examine Taiwan literature from post-loyalist, post-colonial, and indigenous angles. Thank you. Yeah, and I especially appreciate uh, you laying out this different layer of connection. As you mentioned earlier, it could be ancestral connection, and then also kind of like uh, popular culture in terms of novels, literary uh, works as well. And later on, you also share with us your uh, research context as well in terms of this kind of official or national narrative of history versus the individual experience and individual story. And then uh, particularly this case of uh, the sci-fi fiction that uh, how they use uh, reveal this uh, connection that is being uh, reimagined, and also the uh, the case for environmental crisis, the different approach to that, particularly in literary articulation as well. So um, now we talk about Taiwan's contested Chinese legacy, and then um, part of your book actually engage and also in conversation with the emerging field of uh, Sinophone studies. So uh, I guess now, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, just first, uh, what is uh, Sinophone studies? Uh, okay. Um, well, Sinophone studies is definitely a big topic to handle. Um, I can try my best to answer the question. Uh, I still remember uh, a few years back, uh, I started using the term Sinophone at international conferences in Hong Kong and so South Korea. My use of the Sinophone theory was constantly challenged by Chinese essentialists in the audience. They simply could not, um, could not understand the, the value of the Sinophone studies. So what is Sinophone studies? Um, as we know, in 2004, Shishu Mei uh, first coined uh, the term Sinophone literature, um, literature written in Chinese by Chinese-speaking writers in various parts of the world outside China in opposition um, to Chinese national literature. Shishume has been expanding uh, the scope of Sinophone over the years and created a theoretical discourse in the polyphonic and translocal light. To quote Shishume, the Sinophone is um, place-based local culture in dialogue with other cultures of that particular location. This critical lens translates to the unique translocality in each Chinese-speaking community and is the separated from the one-dimensional Chinese-centered discourse. In this sense, the Sinophone has been widely adopted as an anti-hegemonic agenda and a symbolic break from the political dominance of China proper. 
Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong, Mongolia, Xinjiang, Tibet, and Nanyang and the other diasporas can all be included in the discussion of the Sinophone world. Uh, scholars like Sheldon Liu, however, have started to challenge the foundation laid by uh, Shu Meishi and her allies and followers. According to Sheldon Liu, uh, China must be included in the Sinophone discourse because, quote, um, the cinema, culture, history, uh, languages, and dialects of mainland China abound with those of the periphery, end quote. As I argue in my book, whose focus on the Chinese link in the Sinophone world speaks to China's anti-separation anxiety in response to the ongoing calling for the local consciousness uh, or independence. Uh, the ideological divide between Sheldon Lu and Shu Shumei on the Sinophone discourse is not unlike the confrontation between the Chinese center and the peripheral big other. Another notable theory uh, um, is presented by David Weiwang, who identifies Taiwan as a critical hub of global Chinese literature uh, in dialogue with China. Despite the political divide between China and Taiwan, uh, David Wang identifies mainland China as the essential linguistic and cultural source for Taiwan. Personally, I would treat Wang's theory as the middle point uh, between Shi Shumei and Sheldon Lu. Like Sheldon Lu, David Wang recognizes the essential link between China and Taiwan. But in, he, in his theoretical design, Taiwan is not just the periphery, but serves as a cross-cultural hub that encompasses individual voice from within. His post-loyalist discourse is a good example in relation to our discussion here. Anyway, uh, Shumei's celebration of the Sinophone undoubtedly challenges the grand Chinese narrative and grants access to different voices in the local communities. Sinophone studies turns out to be a very useful tool in reviewing the contemporary political issues observed in Chinese minor communities such as Xinjiang, Tibet, and even Hong Kong. Take Hong Kong for example. Hong Kong has faced unprecedented challenge in the past decade and is experiencing a complete political makeover under the uh, uh, national security law implemented by the Chinese government. Compared with Hong Kong, Taiwan has been developing a liberal view and uh, a democratic system and uh, trying to form diplomatic ties with other countries. The core of Taiwan's localist campaign happens to match the Sinophone spirit um, in response to area studies and global politics. The political trend of Sinophone Taiwan can also be found in Taiwan literature. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't start uh, relearning uh, Taiwan's literary history or history as a whole until I moved to the United States. Back then, I had a very limited understanding of Taiwan literature. Um, I started reading the literary classics from Taiwan, including works by Bai Xianyong, uh, Li Ang, Shi Shuqing, Zhu Tianwen, and Zhu Tianxing. Later, I was introduced to the fascinating Aboriginal narratives produced by both Han and indigenous writers. 
I do research on Taiwan literature and film, so it is natural for me to recognize the artistic endeavors to reconstruct and promote Taiwanese consciousness with a focus on the native soil and experience. Personally, I found the Sinophone discourse promoted by Shishum and David Wong quite useful uh, while I was writing my first and second books on Sinophone Taiwan. They said I owe intellectual debt to them and many other scholars in the field. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jarong, especially for laying out the uh, theorization, or I should say the different theorizations, uh, responses, and also challenges to uh, the Sinophone studies. And also you mentioned this a key dimension for the translocality and localization, but also this anti-hegemonic uh, uh uh, principle uh, in the theorization as well. And then uh, especially uh, appreciate that, that you mentioned that uh, in relation to your research, how these different lenses can help you to explore and unpack the uh, Taiwan's uh, contemporary literary uh, production. So uh, that said, I guess the next question uh, I have is actually to keep thinking about and exploring about Taiwanese-ness. And then we've been talking about the contested uh, Chinese legacies in Taiwan. And later on, I believe we'll also be talking about other dimension of the uh, historical uh, legacy and cultural connection as well. But uh, now is to think about the Taiwanese-ness. And also in your book, you explore this, this uh, diverse dimension and also plurality of Taiwanese-ness. So I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what is Taiwanese-ness? And then the, uh, also in your book, you mentioned this culturally hybrid ethnoscape and multifaceted uh, cultural expression in Taiwan. Uh, sure. Um, um, so what is Taiwanese-ness? Um, to be honest, uh, I don't have a clear answer to a question myself. Uh, because the so-called Taiwanese uh, Taiwanese identity or Taiwanese subjectivity is being redefined, revised, and uh, reconstructed by different political parties and ethnic groups with time. Uh, I think you are definitely right about pointing out uh, the plurality of Taiwanese-ness, uh, which occupies a critical place uh, in my book. Um, as a multilingual and a multi-ethnic island state, Taiwan is not uh, limited to any singular essential culture. Instead, one can see in Taiwan the culturally hybrid ethnoscape that can be called home to various ethnic groups, be it mainlanders, native or indigenous Taiwanese. To unpack the concept of Taiwanese-ness, I included Du Guoqing's definition of Taiwan literature in my second book. According to Du Guoqing, um, Taiwan literature expresses concerns with Taiwan and the life and destiny of its people in relation to society, culture, uh, and history. Uh, du Guoqing's words are connected with the nativist trend of Taiwan, which reached to significant milestones in the 1930s and 1970s, respectively. As Taiwan is growing into a community of diversity, Taiwan literature is enriched by a series of locally based writings focusing on specific places 
or the interaction between spaces. China, in this case, is no longer the focal point. What contemporary Taiwanese writers bear in mind is the interplay of place um, uh, slash uh, space uh, uh, in formulating a new uh, 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 identity uh, to be imposed on the local community and beyond. Um, simply put, uh, it is impossible to identify Taiwan and uh, from one angle only because the history and culture of Taiwan is made up of the conflicts and compromises between nations, uh, races, and ethnicities. As for the multifaceted cultural expressions of Taiwan, this book takes into account Taiwan's entanglement with cultural China, Chinese diasporas, nativist trend, uh, and Aboriginal consciousness. For many years, Taiwan really has a hard time uh, forming a discourse of its own while being in the shadows of the oppressive Chinese nation state and the overarching Chinese civilization. On this matter, um, a critical approach to Taiwan's identity construction is remembering and reclaiming its indigenous history. After I moved to New Zealand, I was awed by the New Zealand government's clear political agenda to honor the history and the cultural legacy of Maori indigenous people so as to um, create or recreate a national identity shared by all New Zealanders, despite the fact that the majority of Kiwis are, Europe are of European descent. Um, it is intriguing to see Taiwan under DPP's rule has been taking a similar route in recent years. What is more exciting to note here is the discovery of the genetic a genetic link between um, Taiwan's indigenous people and New Zealand's Maori people. About 5,000 years ago, a group of indigenous people in Taiwan traveled by sea and were uh, intermarried uh, with people living on the Pacific Islands. Their descendants eventually settled in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand-based biologist uh, Dr. Jill Gray Chambers has scientifically proven that um, indigenous Taiwanese are actually the living ancestors of Maori people in New Zealand. This new finding, uh, in my view, liberates Taiwan from the traditional Chinese historiography and reinstates the possibility for Taiwan to forge a strong link with other cultures and regions. In my second book, I did try to cover multiple aspects of the reconstructed uh, Taiwanese subjectivity through the lens of Sinophone Taiwan. Over the five interrelated chapters, I engage with such critical terms as localization, Bentuhua, uh, nativism, Xiangtu Zhuyi, uh, post loyalism, Hou Yiming Zhuyi, indigeneity, Yunzhuming and translocality, Kwa Um What I'm highlighting here is an all inclusive view of ethnicity and identity for all the people living in the island nation, including 
native people, mainlanders, uh, indigenous people, and Xinjuming, which refers to the new immigrants from the 1990s onward. Of course, what I present in the book are selected topics and groups, uh, and the list can certainly be expanded with the inclusion of more cultural expressions of Taiwan. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Thank you. And then especially, um, totally agree with you that um, it's hard, right? It's hard to define what is Taiwaneseness, and especially this identity or this uh, conceptualization is still evolving and becoming. I guess partly that's why it's so very exciting to, you know, explore and also to examine this uh, process of becoming Taiwanese. And um, also thank you for laying out um the um, a different aspect of Taiwanese-ness in terms of ethnic, in terms of cultural, and also linguistic as well. And then uh, thinking about in a way that China is no longer uh, the focal point or no longer the only focal point of cultural formation and also political identification. So uh, with that said, we discussed the contested Chinese uh, legacy. And then now I would like to move on to another layer of legacy and also uh, the chapter of history as well. That is about Japan. In your book, one of the chapter is about Japan and then particularly through uh, these uh, uh uh, approach of post-loyalism. So um, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what is post-loyalism first? Okay, uh, I can try. <laughs> um, my understanding of post-loyalism largely came from uh, my reading of David Wong, uh, who persistently emphasizes the unique cultural status of Taiwan uh, in negotiation with China. Um, uh, historically speaking, the majority of the Taiwanese population are the descendants of the Han Chinese migrant settlers. Uh, both native people and uh, mainlanders share the fundamental cultural roots, but there is a widening gap between the two groups in terms of linguistic expression and colonial experience. Um, while native people are the descendants of the earlier migrants to Taiwan uh, hundreds of years ago, Mainlanders uh, refer to the Chinese people who retreated to Taiwan together with Chiang Kai-shek and his KMT army in the late 1940s. Under the political control of the KMT regime, uh, Taiwanese people were educated, if not uh, forced, to adopt a pro-China agenda for many, many years. Um, in post-war Taiwan, Taiwan literature was dominated by the discourses of anti-communism uh, and Chinese diasporas, uh, both of which were officially approved and celebrated by the Chinese nationalist government in Taiwan. This China complex indeed plays a key role in shaping Taiwan literature uh, in the 20th century. 
uh, in one's analysis of post-loyalism. There are three types of people, immigrants, foreigners slash colonized subjects, and loyalists. Taiwan showcases a profound mix of these three people, uh, or these three peoples in the post-loyalist sense. In other words, one's post-loyalist discourse of Taiwan reacts to the collective nostalgia and anxiety towards China as an imagined homeland. My research on Taiwan literature clearly benefits a lot from one's post-loyalist theory, Um, but I would like to expand the scope by including a scholarly discussion on Japan complex in Taiwan's literary writings. It is ironic, um, but in the meantime, understandable to observe that Taiwan, uh, as a former colony, has gradually forged a strong bond with its colonizer, uh, Japan, despite uh, Japan's mass killings of Taiwanese people uh, in the first half of the colonial period. Uh, Taiwanese people once celebrated Japan's surrender and their return of China uh, to uh, a return of Taiwan to China uh, in 1945. Um, but the local people's happiness did not last uh, due to the political segregation between Menendez and other ethnic groups. Gradually, uh, Taiwanese people started to express their preference uh, for the colonial setting under Japan over the impotent rule of, of the KMT, uh, which was responsible for the economic issues and ethnic divides in post-war Taiwan. To many Taiwanese people, the KMT government was nothing but another colonial regime replacing the previous one. There was a popular slogan to describe the situation of the time. People used to say, uh, in Taiwanese dialect or or in Mandarin, uh, which means the dogs go and the pigs come. Uh, while Japanese colonizers are compared to dogs of some practical use, um, the Chinese menenders are good for nothing. Uh, they, there are other factors such as the February, February 28th incident and the white terror uh, during the martial law period. Long story short, um, Japan has been identified um, by the localist camp and the ruling party of Taiwan as a potential partner in the international community. Intriguingly, the pro-Japan narrative works as a proper solution for Taiwan to escape from the persistent China-centric discourse in the profound process of decolonization. If the post-loyalist focuses on the loss of a previous dynasty or political regime, and turns its absence into presence of our time. Um, Both China and Japan should be included in the discourse of post-loyalism. In the first chapter of the book, I focus on Li An's and Shi Shuqing's novels uh, while rethinking the post-loyalist discourse. It would be helpful if we review Shi Shuqing's Taiwan trilogy uh, Taiwan trilogy, including uh, Walking Through Luojing, Xing Guo Luojing, uh, Dust in the Wind, Fengqian Chen Ai, and The People of Three Generations, uh, San Shi Ren. It is clear that Shi Shuqing deals with multiple cultural memories across Taiwan's chaotic times. Um, Shi Shuqing takes into account um, 
both the Chinese diasporic and Japanese colonial experiences uh, take um, dust in the wind. For example, in the novel, she employs the image of Wanse, uh, which means Taiwanese-born Japanese. In my opinion, Shishu's inclusion of Wanse helps us rethink and expand expand uh, the post-loyalist discourse of Taiwan in the 21st century. Uh, it is also the goal I want to achieve with the first chapter of the book. Thank you. Thank you. And especially this uh, example about Shi Zhu Qing's uh, writing and then the focus on uh, Wan Shen and then this kind of like the uh, complicated process of decolonization in Taiwan, where Japan complex, as you lay out in the book, this kind of like a uh, sense of loss, nostalgia, and those attachment still, um, in some contexts, still strongly failed. So uh, for this is the the uh, Japanese uh, connection and also the colonial legacy and historical context as well. So there's another layer in the uh, Taiwaneseness and also the Taiwan literature as well. That is the indigenous voices and indigenous experience. So in your book, you mentioned that uh, you analyze a uh, greatly in terms of the uh, reconstruction of indigeneity in literary uh, production. So uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about how the indigenous writers, they developed and reclaim or represent the indigenous conscious in their work? And also, um, that's for indigenous writer, but we also see some of the Han Chinese writer or directors, they also try to approach and understand and also represent the indigenous voices in their works. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the representations? Well, thank you for the question. Um, I, 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 I have to uh, emphasize that, um, that uh, this chapter plays a very important role uh, in the overall design of the book. Uh, I think the book would not be complete uh, uh, without uh, uh, the presence of indigenous voices. Uh, uh, voices. Uh, so because as I emphasized, emphasized earlier, Taiwan uh, plays a critical role in the global indigenous studies, uh, thanks to its genetic and cultural links uh, with the Pacific Islanders and the Maori people in New Zealand. Uh, although indigenous people of the 16 officially recognized tribes uh, only account for about 2% of the Taiwanese population, the indigeneity of Taiwan served to identify the island state as a unique political and cultural entity. Um, though contested by Communist China, which never stopped trumpeting its one China policy. On the one hand, uh, Taiwan's indigeneity represents the alternative cultural reality required to separate the island nation from China proper. On the other, Taiwan is given access uh, to the enlarging Austronesian and Polynesian networks through its indigenous history and culture. It is clear that the DPP government fully understands the importance of Taiwan's indigeneity in 2016, President Tsai Ing-wen issued an official apology uh, to Taiwan's indigenous people uh, who were persecuted and suffered in various colonial settings. In recent years, more and more Taiwanese writers have started uh, to recognize 
the cultural significance of uh, Taiwan's indigenous identity, and thus include indigenous characters and voices in their works. Uh, in the third chapter of my book, I try to uh, examine how Aboriginal and indigenous narratives are represented in Taiwan literature. I first surveyed the literary works by uh, famous indigenous writers such as Topas Tamapima or Tianya Ge, Hasnuman Vava, Wang Xinming, and Rubas Nagil, Tian Mingzong. Overall, uh, indigenous writings uh, tend to focus on the living conditions of Aboriginal peoples in the past and the present, covering the issues of discrimination and uh, assimilation uh, faced by these marginalized ethnic groups. Other important topics include critical divides between Aborigines and Hans, between nature and society, and between tribal communities and the modern state. Um, in many indigenous literary accounts, the Aboriginal subjects are continuously disheartened as they witness the decline of their tribal traditions and hunting grounds. Um, in this light, these Aboriginal subjects are cast as strangers, if not subhumans, uh, in the Han Chinese-dominated society. To confront the Han-centric narrative, indigenous writers formulate a self-conscious writing strategy uh, with the introduction of mountain and sea writing, or Shanghai Shuxie, in Mandarin. Under this design, natural space is profoundly linked with the indigenous heritage in Taiwan, um, as the indigenous writing associates the homeland and the people living on it. It echoes uh, the ongoing nativist campaign in relation to a place-based writing strategy within the Sinophone framework. Uh, while it is important to see how Taiwan's indigenous writers reclaim and represent uh, their own history and culture, we can also benefit from observing the evolving trends of the written accounts uh, provided by Han Chinese writers in Taiwan as a matter of fact, the Han-centric view persisted for hundreds of years and was widely held um, by Chinese migrant settlers. In the introduction of the General History of Taiwan, Taiwan Tongshi, the author, uh, Lian Heng, chronicles uh, Taiwan's historical progress in a China-centric light and excludes the Aborigines as if they are unworthy. Uh, uncivilized subjects in the history of Taiwan. In this chapter, I highlighted the publication of Lai He's poem, uh, Southern Territory Lament, Nanguo uh, Aige, which recognizes the Sidek warriors' practice of hay hunting during the Wuxia incident as an act of a cultural resistance against the Japanese colonization. Lai's poem uh, interestingly blurs the line between Han and indigenous subjects in Taiwan uh, from an anti-colonial, uh, pro-nationalist perspective. Uh, the Aborigines' identity is transformed from savages to brothers of the Han Chinese people on the island. Unfortunately, uh, Taiwan's indigenous people had to endure another setback or exclusion in both society and in literature under the KMT control. 
um, in the past two decades, the inclusion of indigenous subjects can be widely observed in the Taiwan-focused narrative uh, produced by Han writers. The cases I study in the chapter are Gan Yaoming's um, Killing Ghost, Sha Gui, and Bang Cha Girl, Bang Cha Nui Hai. Uh, both novels stage indigenous subjects and promote a um, fluid notion of indigen- in, in, indigenous uh, uh, consciousness beyond ethnic, cultural, and religious differences. I use the term uh, coexistence to highlight the correlation between indigenous and Han Chinese subjects as demonstrated uh, in Gan Yaoming's fiction. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Darong. And then especially thinking about this uh, reconstruction and also this kind of emerging uh, indigenous uh, voices and also how they we have been seeing a lot of uh, works and also about a lot of writing about their experience and voices as well. And then especially to sort of kind of disrupt the Sino-Center narrative and then in order to explore and connect to the Oceanic Network. So um, this Oceanic Network, so I guess my next question would be also kind of like uh, about oceans. So this kind of trans-Pacific aspect as well. So one of your chapter actually talk about uh, Taiwanese American writers. And then so, um, so can you tell us a little bit about how do Taiwanese writers write about Taiwan? And then how do they understand the uh, family history or Taiwan's history through this kind of mediated uh, memory or some of them actually understood by some of their archival research, so on and so forth. And then uh, also how the Sinophone spaces uh, is uh, constructed or recreated in their uh, Anglophone uh, writing. Well, thank you. Um, In the fifth and the last chapter, I stretch my research in the field of Taiwan literature um, by analyzing three English language novels, uh, uh, Francie Ling's The Foreigner novel, uh, Julie Wu's The Third Son novel, and Shana Yang Rai and Screen Island. Um, the inclusion of Taiwanese American writers in my book on Sinophone Taiwan is certainly an experimental move. The draft of this chapter actually received both positive and negative uh, comments. Uh, traditionally, Taiwanese American literature uh, fits in the category of Asian American literature or serves as a subcategory of Chinese American literature. What intrigues me the most is how the three Taiwan-based novels intersect with Taiwan's literary and political trends while uh, revisiting the troubled past and the present of the island state. All the three three English language novels uh, center around the micro-history of individual families in response to the macro history of Taiwan in the 20th and 21st centuries. Although these novels are written in English, they share the same interest uh, in recreating the political and the cultural spaces of Taiwan and reviving the collective memory of Taiwanese people and their extended families across the Pacific Ocean. This chapter aims to provide a new angle um, or ethnic Chinese by going beyond the umbrella term and elaborating 
on the contested concept of writing Taiwan. In doing so, um, reviewing Taiwanese American literature is an important part of examining uh, the Taiwan-based writing strategy across the Pacific. These three novels trace the hist uh, historical and political turmoil of Taiwan from the Japanese colonial period to the contemporary era. Um, one, critical uh, one critical historical moment, uh, which all three literary works include, uh, is Taiwan's February 28th incident uh, in 1947, uh, which is a landmark event in the modern history of Taiwan. Uh, since the lifting of the martial law, a number of Taiwanese writers have been promoting the local subjectivity through the production and reproduction of Taiwan's historical trauma. This strategy is also developed in Taiwanese American writing. Among the three novels, Shana Yang Ryan's Green Island uh, has undoubtedly earned the most scholarly interest because it is the first English novel to focus on Green Island as a symbolic side of political imprisonment. On a deeper level, uh, Green Island also points to Taiwan's identity as a contested island nation overshadowed by the overpowering uh, Chinese state. As I argue in the chapter, Ryan uh, also brings into focus the ideological conflict between the China-centric view and the localist agenda. It details uh, former President Chiang Kai-shek's declaration uh, to Taiwanese people after the February 28th uh, incident and how he warns that Taiwanese people must recognize their duty to the fatherland China and should not perform any rash and thoughtless acts which will be harmful uh, not only to our country but also to themselves. Uh, in response to uh, Jiang, Jing, uh, uh, Jiang Kai Shi's political statement, uh, Ryan offers counter perspectives by including Taiwanese writer Huang Shihui's Taiwan focused view in relation to Taiwanese sky, Taiwanese ground, uh, Taiwanese time, and Taiwanese language. Even though her novel is written in English, uh, Ryan has answered Huang's call for a Taiwan centered experience in literary works. Some may argue that these English novels are not local or uh, authentic enough to represent uh, Taiwaneseness. Yet we should keep in mind that the, uh, these novels not only offer new ways of viewing uh, and writing Taiwan from across the Pacific Ocean, but also uh, make uh, this contested island nation more accessible to the English-speaking world. Given that translocality is a necessity uh, in every Sanborn community, it would be a pity if we exclude uh, such um, Taiwan-based and Taiwan-focused English novels in the scholarly discussion on Sinophone Taiwan. I think uh, it concludes my answer to the question. Uh, thank you.
Yeah, and then especially appreciate this uh, introduction and also examination of the uh, diaspora, their uh, experience, and also memory, and also maybe reformation、uh, or transformation of the Taiwanese identity across generation, and also in diasporic context, and then especially in another linguistic system. In this case,、uh, Anglophone、uh, English writing as well. Yes. So、um, we've been talking about, I think, I mean, specifically three chapters, and then briefly you mentioned the、uh, sci-fi chapter, and there's also one chapter about、uh, eco ecocritical discourse in global network. And for the interest of time, we might not be able to dwell into that chapter, but definitely recommend、uh, our listeners to check it out. Yeah, so、um, we've been、uh, taking a lot of your time, and so now.、Uh, Last question. So this is a traditional question、uh, here at New Books Network. So、uh, Jialong, can you share with us what you are working on right now, or、uh, what your next project will be? Okay.、Um, uh, first of all, I do hope that I will find the time to revisit my previous project on the strange figures in Taiwan literature and film.、Um, but I need to focus on some other projects at the moment. I just、uh, initiated my third book project、uh, entitled "Taiwan Literature in the Twenty First Century,"、uh, which is a volume、uh, co-edited by Professor、uh, Fan Mingru、uh, from National Zhengzhi University, University, and me.、Um, this edited collection is under contract with Springer.、Um, Dr. Fan and I are collecting chapter proposals、uh, from international scholars. We plan to survey the evolving trends of literary Taiwan, and promote the translocal awareness and cultural diversity of the island nation、uh, through the book project. The potential topics include,、um, but are not limited to, post-nativism,、uh, indigenous writing,、uh, eco-criticism, gender and queer studies, and localization and globalization. Uh, we will include、uh, around sixteen chapters in the、uh, in the book.、Uh, each chapter will be around six thousand words long、uh, and function as independent research essay、uh, dedicated to a specific Taiwanese writer. It is our belief that this edited volume will make a great contribution to the current scholarship of Taiwan and Sinophone st-、uh, studies. In addition to the co-author introduction. I will、uh, contribute one chapter on Xiamen Lanbuan、uh, to the volume.、Uh, the deadline for the proposed、uh, for the proposal submission is November the first, twenty twenty one, which is this coming Monday.、Uh, so I would like to take this opportunity to give a last push、uh, for call for chapters proposals.、Uh, and Li Ping,、uh, you are、uh, cordially invited to submit proposal if you are interested. Um, and for the general listeners of this podcast,、uh, you may consider to submit a proposal as well.、Uh, besides, I have some other smaller projects going on,、uh, but I need to spend more time organizing my thoughts and reading notes、um, before those projects take、uh, take shape. Thank you. Thank you, Jarong, and especially for the kind、um, invitation uh, to me and also to our audience、uh, for your book project.、Um, so I know the deadline is coming up, and then、uh, if our audience, you are listening to this episode after past the deadline,、um, you know, still feel free to you know contact or email. 
Darong, just keep you know in touch. And then about this very interesting and I believe very important book project about comparing uh, Taiwan uh, literature. Oh, thank you. So uh, thank you, uh, Jarong, again for um, talking with us and then for being on the show today. I really enjoy the uh, conversation and also your um, uh, introduction and also analysis the cases that you introduced to us today. Well, thank you, Li Ping. So, um, yeah, so um, thank you, our audience, too, for uh, listening to the episode today. And then um, I hope you all take care and then we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.